You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back, back, run like a wild man. I watched the struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. Here he is from Auburn University, Bo Jackson. The correct Jordan Hare Stadium time is 8.24 Central Daylight Standard Time. Greetings, salutations, Orange and Truthers. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and Truth podcast, Harvard, by collegeofmagnolia.com. It is I, Santa Crow, your gatekeeper to the cosmos that is Auburn Twitter, at Santa Crow on Venmo. To one side of me, the rumor monger, Ryan Starrett, the S stands for send him to more weddings, except don't anymore. Yeah, the streak's over. To the other side of me, used to be AU Chief. He is indisposed still on our paternity leave. We are a very progressive podcast, giving him one month of paternity leave. But uh, he should be back after that. We're not Denmark. Uh, and in his stead, a tailgate host with the most, James Jones. Good evening. James, what's your Twitter handle? Space. It is... James Jones underscore 55. That's right. James score underscore 55. James Jones underscore 55. If you want to hear hot takes about Atlanta United, the United States women's national team, and Auburn sports, that's the place to go. That's the phrase that pays. Yeah. Cardinals double magic, too. The question is, James, do you respect the veteran player of Yadier Molina? See, this is where we... Molina swung a broomstick at a baseball going 95 miles an hour. He would dump it into center field, and it, it doesn't even matter how hard he hit it. See, this is where my Rangers fandom and your Braves fandom can kind of Venn diagram. I hate the Cardinals as well. well there you go. Yeah, thanks to game six. In 2000 and... What was that? 2000 and... Uh... 12 World Series. Rangers lost to the Cardinals. Had them, they, were, they were up in game six and went to the extra innings. Lost to the stupid Cardinals and then lost the game, lost game seven. They were I winning. I realized it was against the Cardinals where you guys had basically yeah. two shots of being one out. Yeah. Away. Josh Hamilton hit a home run. Would have been a hero. Would have had a statue outside the stadium. But hey, he was a legend of uh, home run derbies. And also that's, that's uh, nice. hooking right. up with waitresses at Dallas area bars when he lapsed off of his, you know, sobriety. Um, James, we're talking a lot, a lot about Auburn sports. Ryan didn't even watch the Florida game, so we'll get to that later. Overrated. Uh, the first thing, we have to shout out what Dr. Will McLaughlin of the McLaughlin Firm is doing with the basketball countdown. He's doing a really good job. If you're not up on it, he is counting down the days to Auburn uh, basketball by going through highest scoring games in Auburn history. Yeah, and we are inside a month. Which means we're going to get lower scores? Is that how it's going? Or is it going higher scores? So we're going for the highest individual scoring games. Gotcha. Yeah, so like right now we had, uh, I think we're on 26 going into 27-point games. Yeah. We had Banjo Purifoy against Boston College. Uh, we got a KT Harrell game against Missouri from 2014. 
And uh, today, on Monday, was Kareem Canty. So some, some early Bruce players. Big Kareem Canty fan. Yeah. Well, are we all? Yeah, everybody is. <laughs> uh, and then you've done a crazy thing and opened the pick'em to everybody. And people are lo- probably going to start really thinking that Son of Crow, not very good at this sports thing. That's just not true. I just don't care. It's a bit. It's a, well, it's kind of a bit. <laughs> if I really wanted to, I can go to covers.com and pick exactly who I'm supposed to pick to win these games. But I could also just pick who I want to win the games based upon hilarity or indifference towards the Big Ten football. Sounds special. like the guy that's in last place. I'm in last place because I just don't care. Who's in first place, though? Uh, I don't know. Is it James Jones? It's James Jones. Uh, it just might be me. James, <laughs> James, will you split your winnings with me? Uh, yeah, I, I guarantee you I will split exactly half of them. Yes! Uh, so if you want to be a part of that Pick'em, if you want to brag about how you beat the We've Got Jared guy at Pick'em, uh, go on the website and do that. There are three people left in the survivor pool. Now, how, you changed the rules for the survivor pool this season, and that may have got I, people... I didn't want to get to the end of the year and still have, like, ten of us left. Yeah. Kind of how we did last year. There might not be a person left by the end of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole point of it is that everyone's supposed to lose at some point. Sure. So, we're down to three of us now. Is me, a you nerd, and drawing a blank. Who's our last one? Was it Copper Forever? No, it was. Shout out to Copper Forever. It's a great. That's one of my favorite. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's a good. Uh, it's a good college and Mac commenter right there. Foy Onion. Oh, Foy Onion, another great one. I'm not positive what the username is. I'm, I'm assuming it's... Uh, you get it? It's like it's, Foy Union, but with right. yeah. But I'm, I'm assuming it's like Foy being the onion, putting out fake news and, and, oh. and uh, parodies. That's Satire. funny. I didn't yeah. think about that. I, I'm, I'm hoping that's what it is. If you listen to this podcast, Foy Onion, and we know you do, comment on this podcast page as to what your username means. I, I want when you call into Foy to get the onion articles. Yeah. Those are just now called like... Political articles on CNN and FoxNews.com. <laughs> um, there are so we talked about that. Now we're going back into AU soccer because this is the preeminent soccer podcast. James, have you watched any of the Auburn women's soccer team this year? Uh, I've watched bits and pieces. Uh, follow on Twitter as always. Uh, it was a great win last week. Uh, only a one-game week against uh, LSU, but got a got a big win. It's a big win. That's a good as far as programs go. Beating LSU is usually a sign of a decent Auburn soccer team. They usually have a pretty decent squad down there in Baton Rouge. Um, I think, I think we're we're sitting pretty well. I talked about last week we kind of had a weird week, but I think this team is sitting really well here towards what is now. I mean, we're we're darn near the end of the year almost. Which, we're getting there, which yeah. is wild. They're sitting at six, four, and two, but they're three and one in conference. Yes, yeah. so that, that's not a bad spot to be in your conference. So do they played a really tough schedule? They're doing really well in their conference. And I think, you know, we're, we're set up to have a decent seed in the conference tournament going down into, into Gulf Shores. So, Orange uh, Beach. Orange Beach, my bad. <laughs> no, so the next game is at Mississippi State on was it Thursday night, I believe. They, yeah, they took, they took Sunday off this week and they're playing Thursday. Yeah. And then they've yeah. got um, a home match on Sunday against Texas A&M. But, which we got to win because yeah. it's the Aggies. It's the, only, it's the it only Auburn football game this weekend. It's true. That's right. If you if you were like normally, if you're a person whose muscle memory drives you down 280 and into the onto the plains every Saturday in the fall, because 
you tailgate and watch football. James. Go ahead and do that again this weekend and watch a little associate, a little bit of a association football, as it's called, across the pond, and uh, hopefully get us a win over the hated Texas A&M fighting Texas Aggies. Um, that'll be a, that'll be a big one as well. You got uh, just looking at the standings. State is one, two, and one. A&M as well as Auburn are three and one. Uh, only two undefeated teams left: Florida and South Carolina. So uh, a win over A&M kind of separates us from. Uh, at least the, the middle of the pack. Yeah, yeah, it really is very similar in uh, in setup to what the Florida Auburn game football game ended up being. Where like the winner of that game could legitimately say, "Hey, we have a shot at this thing," and the winner of of this Texas A&M Auburn soccer game is kind of the same thing. Like the winner of that game could say, "Hey, we have a shot at winning this the conference." You may not be the favorite for the conference, but you're sitting pretty yeah, get pretty good position. So let's talk a little basketball. We're inside of a month, guys. The NBA season, they're playing preseason games right now. Zion was showing out against the Hawks earlier today. They're playing preseason NBA basketball games. Guys, I know it's 900 degrees outside still, but it's basketball season. It is basketball season. And Auburn fans actually have like a reason to care about NBA this year, too. Well, not just NBA. But German second league and Argentinian first league, we are uh, we're worldwide in terms of our sports fandom now in Auburn. Uh, we're gonna try our best to. I think I want to start a weekly "How is Horace and How are Malik doing?" overseas segment on this podcast. Right now, Malik's doing really well. There's a really great picture that A U B A W N on Twitter, who's an amazing basketball follower, uh, had. I don't know where he got it. Of Malik just yamming one in the German second league. The Artland official account. No, the Artland official account has not tweeted since March. It's on the Instagram, I think. Yeah, which is bonkers. (laughs) Like (laughs) the pro basketball team hasn't tweeted since March. Um, There was a really good article about Isaac Okoro being this like unspoken, invisible man. Like he's not at the moment. Isaac Okoro is not on a single draft board. Like he's kind of crazy. He's yeah. like that. He's one of the highest recruits Auburn's ever right. signed. I mean, he's what was a five star or borderline five star. He's not, he's not a, even on top of hundred. He is not on a single NBA draft.com NBA mock draft list. Um, and that's good and bad. It's good in that if you're an Auburn fan, you're like, great, we could see him play with that excellent class we're bringing in for the next for the following year. It's bad in that you're like, well, wait a minute, this kid's supposed to be. Legit, and part of it's because scouts undervalue defense and always have. Um, most basketball scouts are incredibly lazy because they're humans, and most humans are incredibly lazy. And the easiest thing to do is look at a box score and say, oh, dude scored 35. He's good. It's difficult to quantify via a, box, a traditional high school box score how good uh, Isaac Okoro's defense is. Most high schools don't do box plus minus. Most high schools don't even do plus minus. So... Uh, Okoro is an unbelievable player who might be an under-the-radar, like a sneaky one-and-done, who by the by February we're going, oh, yeah, there's no chance he's staying. But right now, he's not on a single draft board. Um, that's a great story. Jerry Hannon is the one who retweeted it from somebody wrote it on Fansided, an NBA draft guy wrote it on Fansided, about, hey, wait a minute, why is this guy not on any NBA, on NBA, any, any NBA boards? I can't talk tonight. James, what most excites you about the prospects of this basketball season? Well, I think playing off of uh, 
uh, off of what you said about Okoro, to me, defense is one of the things that you can't just become a better defender. You can work harder at it, but it's a lot of instinct. It's a lot of uh, desire. Uh, whereas you can go and take a thousand three pointers and and get better at shooting three pointers and get better as a spot up shooter. And there's plenty of room in the association for guys that can shoot the three and play defense. Yep. So I, I think that's that's a good foundation for uh, for Okoro. I'm curious to see what this season will bring. Uh, it, to me, almost any kind of success, getting back to the tournament, I think is, is very doable. But it's all, uh, to me, we're, uh, it's almost an entire season with house money, with how everything went last year. Uh, you know, you're losing the heart and soul of your team in, in that backcourt. But just to, I'm excited to see how, Javon Mohamed does running the point for an entire season. You know, if Samir Dowdy can take a leap, uh, he was an excellent, excellent three-point shooter last year who just didn't take that many threes. Uh, same goes for McCormick as well. And uh, whether or not we can uh, we can have Anthony kind of rebound, uh, he didn't shoot the three as well, I think, last year as he did the year before. Uh, does he get his confidence back a little bit more? He really came on, I think, uh, in the NCAA tournament as he got more and more confident in his play. And then it's just, uh, how is the team going to play, obviously, without Jared, without Bryce, but with a fully uh, fully armed and operational Austin Wiley? That's, it, I think it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, talking about Austin Wiley, um, and really just the five in general, uh, He's Wiley's going to be the starter there, but it, they've... There's been a lot of talk now that practice has kicked up that Stretch is going to be playing the five as well. And he will be, it looks like he might be ready to contribute yeah. at the beginning of the season. That's great to have a backup uh, five. Right. And originally it seemed like the plan was going to be the same as last year where Anthony's the five as well with, with Wiley. But if Stretch is able to contribute early, that, that opens up Anthony to play at the four instead, which we've talked about for you know, as long as this podcast has been on the air that he's a lot more natural at the four. Um, he, he doesn't have to be the big guy on the court. Um, he can he can shoot outside a little more. He can play more, uh, not the same style as Chuma last year, but um, just more natural for what he's doing. He doesn't have to be the guy that gets, uh, that plays one-on-one against all the other centers in the league. Right. I think, I think you're talking about it. A very important thing. Guys playing in their natural positions is a huge thing in basketball. Um, and Bruce being able to do that, you're going to see Anthony looking way more comfortable. Uh, and, and a fully actualized Anthony McLemore is a big deal for this Auburn team. Like, when he had his best year, it's because he was playing in the right position with the right guys around him. And last year, he didn't have as good of a year. He, I mean, he was good. But he wasn't transcendent. He was transcendent his first year. You could tell last year he was he was uncomfortable being asked to do things that he wasn't as good at. Right. Whereas playing the four with an offensive center, Austin Wiley can't doesn't shoot the three very well. Has very limited outside shot at all. But is an offensive center because right. he, you can run plays surround, that that go through Austin in the five. That's exactly what Anthony needs. 
being able to have an offensive center that allows Amford to take offensive possessions at the three-point line or take the offensive possession, not off, but kind of off, knowing that you don't have to be uh, a factor or a first or second or third or fourth option on the offense for that possession and save your legs for being what you're great at, which is defensive, with a defensive powerhouse. Austin's a really good uh, rebounder. He's not the rim protector that Anthony McLemore is. Uh, he, he is a, he's a decent rim protector, but not to the extent that McLemore is. And so Austin taking some more of the offensive burden, leaving McLemore the opportunity to take a lot of that defensive burden, it's, it sets up really well for Auburn, actually, this year in terms of a, a matchup and a chemistry between your four and five. And Stretch, if, I can, if Stretch can play backup five, and give Austin the chance, because Austin sometimes has the bad habit of getting into foul trouble. If you can let Austin rest a little bit, you know, about five minutes left in the first half, and then and then let Stretch get out and play with fresh legs, you're going to see Auburn run away from some teams just from that. Well, I think that's, you know, it shows uh, the schedule this year. The non-conference schedule is extremely important. If we were playing the same schedule as we played last year, you wouldn't have stretch out there early in the season. No. If we're playing Duke and Xavier, I mean, he's, he's not playing against those teams. But when we're playing our big non-conference games are Davidson and Furman and um, even just NC State, you're a little more comfortable letting him play in those games where he might be as good, as talented as anybody that those teams are throwing at him. Not necessarily as refined, but, you know, he, he doesn't have to go guard Zion. Right, right. Yeah, he gets a chance to grow up and be a college basketball player by the time the SEC player comes around. Right. And that's a huge deal for a kid who – how long was he in Nigeria last past year? I mean, I don't know if – Did he miss the whole high school basketball season? Right, I don't think he played high school basketball last year. But we didn't really know if he was going to make it for this upcoming season until, I think, like July. He gained a bunch of weight. I know that. He's bigger than we yeah, – It happens for 18-year-olds. Yeah. Well – Fufu, which is a uh, West African dish made of cassava, is extremely filling. So he probably was eating a lot of that. Uh, it's like a sweet potato type thing. It's a root vegetable. Hmm. It's a starch. It's delicious, but will fill you up. Jared and Bryce get underway this upcoming week. Ryan, do you remember what date the main Red Claws play the uh, College Park <laughs> Skyhawks? <laughs> no, we talked about this. I want to say... I want to say it's like MLK weekend in January. James, are you in on that? I, be, I believe that's right, and I, I believe I'd have to make room in my schedule to uh, to take the trip over to Atlanta. Uh, now that that's only a two-hour drive for me, uh, just to be able to cheer on uh, cheer on Bryce again and be uh, it'd be it'd pretty cool. And, and you know, uh, we actually we ran into Bryce in. Arlington uh, after the Oregon game, and he was he was really really appreciative of all the all the Auburn fans that came up to him. He said he was really going to miss it this year, so uh, I, I'd encourage everybody in the Atlanta area to uh, to try and make that trip. How cool know. would it be at a G League game if there's just a huge Auburn contingent cheering on an, an away player? I think it should be a very large College of Magnolia contingent, of course. And I think I think we should make that some sort of a I don't know, Twitter happening, where we start promoting that as soon as possible, get as many people there, and just make make Bryce feel like he's playing a home game. Now, this is under the assumption he's not on the Celtics roster at this That's point. That's true. That's Halfway true. through the season, 
Big boys maybe call him up. Well, he, 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 I know Jared at least saw a two-way deal, which means he has to, he can only spend 45 days, not games, days on an NBA roster before he had before they owe him a full deal. So I don't know. I think Bryce might be on a similar situation. So if he's in the big boy club at that point, he's on his way to earning over a million dollars this year with a uh, a minimum salary. A minimum salary in the NBA, <laughs> the million dollars a year. Um, all right, so if you can get it, it's good work if you can get it. Let's uh, take a quick commercial break so we can get paid some of that sweet, sweet money. All right, we're back. Ryan didn't watch the Auburn Florida game because he was at a wedding, which usually means good things for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I am now seven and one when at weddings. Uh, was seven and zero before this for Auburn events. There's a slight chance I may have used up my goodwill Friday night for uh, Game 2 of the Braves-Cardinals series. I don't know if it applies or not, but I was at the rehearsal dinner. If you used it up for the Braves, just (laughs) unbelievable. Um, Anyway, Auburn lost, and it was not even – it wasn't fun to watch. Like, Auburn lost, and it wasn't a fun game to watch. Auburn has lost some games that have been interesting – 2014 Alabama, for instance, a game I talk about all the time. It was a fun game to watch, and we lost it. What game was this like? I mean, it, just looking at the box score, it wasn't as bad as like the Clemson game. It wasn't three two, but it, just from the Gus area, like it wasn't the Clemson games. No, no. Jared got sacked, you know, eleven times, whatever it was. No, it was more like a 2015 or 2016 Georgia, in some ways. I don't think the play calling was that bad. I, I'll harp on that a lot. Like, I don't think Gus was calling bad plays. This is the best defensive line we're probably going to play going forward. Florida's unbelievable. They had some absolute men playing defensive line and, and corner. The first pick Nick's threw was one the one-handed one? Yeah, with one of the better catches you'll see this year by a defensive back. Um, Florida has studs on defense. Maybe is that a left? Is that a little bit of a runoff from McElwain being there, or even Muschamp era? I don't know, but they are some studs on the defensive side of the football. And then Trask played out of his mind in the second half of that game. In some ways, like I really, part of me wants to say this was just like the 2016 Georgia game or 2017 Clemson game or whatever. 2017 Clemson didn't exist. It, it wasn't like any of those games because none of those games were as winnable or as, as competent of a job by Gus. Gus played Gus did a pretty good job in this game, I think. The defense did as well as you could possibly imagine, minus two plays. And then just the execution on offense could, could, not, could not get it done. Bo Nix played his worst, hopefully his worst game as an Auburn Tiger. And that's it. James? Yeah, certainly his worst game yet. Uh, so I was uh, very high up. I was in row 82 of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Um, just from from that vantage point, it, it just seemed like Bo never could really get in any kind of a rhythm. And other than, I believe there was one possession where we really kind of leaned on the running game. It didn't seem like Auburn could get in any kind of a rhythm on offense at all. Uh, there were 
there were issues blocking up front, there were inaccurate throws, there were uh, poor execution, uh, blocking on the perimeter, just never seemed to really get out of first gear. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, hopefully it is Bo's worst game. It's definitely his worst game yet. Um, it, but it's still in the stadium and just taking some of the, you know, I think taking the temperature of some Florida fans that were around us, I don't believe they really felt comfortable until uh, the, the long touchdown by Pete Ryan. Um, yeah, yeah. So... You know, it was disappointing. Um, I was one of I had been to two games before. I was there in 2007. It was tough to to take a loss this time. Uh, just a, 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 it was a very electric atmosphere from a crowd standpoint. Uh, I will give Florida a lot of credit for that. The, the fans were certainly ready for that game. They were very excited for it. Uh, you know, I, I, I really think they did not have, they had some confidence going in, but they didn't have a lot of confidence. Probably game day made you think they were a lot more confident than a lot of the Florida fans I talked to. Uh, but it was, it was exciting for them, I think, to have that kind of a big game on their campus. Now, as far as the stadium goes, uh, I really wasn't a fan. Um, we were, like I said, we were up really high. You know, they stuck us in the sun, which, you know, I can't say anything. Auburn does the exact same things to visiting fans, but uh, the concessions were not well stocked, and uh, water is still $4 there. Uh, and in mm. a 90-degree day, directly in the sun, that was uh, that was no fun to deal with. So after uh, after the failed fourth down, I think we went ahead and called it a day, and I'm never, never one to leave early. But it was, it was just kind of evident at that point that it wasn't our day. Yeah, I, mean, I don't blame you. That stinks. Four four hundred bottles of waters. It's, that's that's a crime against humanity. Well, you know, I thought uh, having Jay Jacobs down there, they might realize that. that was one of the things I really gave Jay a lot of credit for. Was we had some early games. I don't know, 2014, 2015, where Auburn kind of backed up and said, "Wait a second, this is water. People, right. it's, this is the most basic thing that people need in this heat." Let's make it two dollars and just y'all y'all go. And we're gonna set up water stations and and everything like that. I did not see a single water station. I didn't see anything where you could bring an empty bottle in. Maybe you can, but uh, I just don't think that's handled very well, uh, Florida. Yeah, it's, it really is. Uh, it's a thing that that most stadiums need to really take account of is fan experience, but more importantly, fan safety. Like that's. You don't want your first aid guys dealing with a bunch of guys passing out because they've been drinking all day and then going and standing in heat. I know we talk about our poor friends up north in Alabama who have to deal with all these 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock kickoffs. (laughs) Hopefully they've got it figured out. Lord knows they put up with too much. Um, The best tweet that I saw this week, I'm glad Ryan put this in the show notes, from A-U-B-I-E-C-E, who I, I think it's Aubie Civil Engineer, Aubie C.E. Met that guy. um, Met him... I believe, it might be wrong, I met him at the uh, Shutdown Fullcast recording in, in Birmingham. He was sitting behind me in, in uh, Joshua Black. Um, he said, good thing Twitter was not around in 1969. AU sophomore quarterback making his first start throws five interceptions in a 45-19 to loss 
to Tennessee. Neyland Stadium was rocking. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you the quarterback's name, Pat Sullivan. Yeah, not every quarterback is, uh, you know, Tua or, you know, freshman Vince Young. Not every quarterback is going to come out and be just an unbelievable phenom out of the gate as a freshman. Um, most people take some time to learn a skill or a trait. Most people have to see a couple things a few times before they learn how to deal with it. And I think Bo Nix has gotten to that point. Bo Nix missed two touchdowns and, and threw a pick on one that was just unconscionable. Like, it was one of the worst throws I've ever seen an Auburn quarterback make outside of Jeremy Johnson. Like, I, I, I could not understand what he was seeing. I just don't think he saw a linebacker in front of him. It was, a, it was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. Then it was it was definitely one uh, that was in our end of the stadium. When he let that ball go, yeah, we knew it was it, the best case was that he threw it out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, Canelo was was blanketed, and there was an underneath an underneath defender. It, it had no chance. And there was another guy open on that play. Like he made all three of his picks. Um, he missed open receivers and threw interceptions instead. Which, which is even more mind-numbing. Like, it, you had, on the first pick, Anthony Schwartz will never be more open in his life than he was on that first pick that Nick threw. But when you've got a freshman quarterback, I mean, these, these are the things that are going to happen. When everybody says, oh, he hasn't played like a freshman yet, this was him playing like a freshman. Yeah, absolutely. It's it not that he doesn't have the arm talent. It's not that he you know, can't read defenses. It's, it sounds like this was a top-ten matchup in a very hostile environment, and he was rattled. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're having to go and tell every single lineman what the play is when you're audibling out, yeah, that, that gets to you. Yeah, there's a lot of near-delay games and delay games and false starts yeah. that the crowd caused. It was sounded – I forgot who reported this, but at one point Caleb Kim said after the game that he could not hear the, the hand clap from yeah. Nick's. So I'm not sure how they coordinated the snap at that point. Um, but – Crowd noise has an effect, yeah. especially on a freshman. And this was way more of a hostile environment than Kyle Field was. Yeah, I, that's a loud stadium. And every minute that Auburn was not leading that game, it was louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. Um, it, I mean, James was there. It, it sounded on TV like it was just bone-rattlingly loud in the second half. Absolutely. And uh, I'll put it up there. I've been to I was I've been in Athens several times. Uh, I think the loudest it ever got there to me was uh, at. Funnily enough, it's the moment before Brandon Cox hits the fourth and twelve mm. uh, in two thousand five. I was there. That was, was, that was loud. Uh, that was I, that that was as loud as I'd ever heard any stadium uh, up to that point. Of course. Um, and I've been to Baton Rouge. Uh, a random third down was probably as loud as I've ever heard any stadium, other than Jordan right. Hare for the kick six, or maybe the, you know, the prayer. In, you know, 2013 effectively. But I, I would put uh, that Florida game up there, and for that to be, you know, all, all those other games that I mentioned were night games. This was a 2:30 kick. They were, you know, you give Florida fans a lot of credit. They were ready to go from the moment that game kicked off and the longer that they were in the lead or, you know, hanging around, the louder they got, uh, the more confident they got. I, I think, 
think your team fed off that confidence. Absolutely. I think it was Kobe. It was some. It was a basketball player talked about how they asked him how hard it is to play when the stadium is so loud, and he said eventually it gets so loud that it becomes quiet. If that makes any sense? Like if you just it just fades it until it becomes white noise. Yeah, it becomes white noise. And I wonder if that is true for guys like Bo, for quarterbacks, but for linemen, you have to be able to hear. You have to be able to hear snap counts. You have to be able to hear hand claps. So that's got to be the hardest for them on the field. Well, let's put that game to bed. Let's never talk about it again. I don't ever want to bring it up except to say, man, no one thought Auburn was going to do blank when we lost to Florida. Props to Derrick Brown. Except there before we're correct. Done. Derrick Brown might be the best monster. defensive player in the, in the entire country. Um, the, sad, the sad news is, is that's the best pass rush we've had at any game, at any point in the season. Hopefully it's the sign of things to come. Yeah. Derek Brown may have made himself millions of dollars on Saturday. Um, let's talk middle of the season review. James, if I told you we would be 5-1 and one with wins over Texas A&M and Oregon uh, at this point in the season back in August, would you have taken it? Absolutely. Uh, the only downside to it is I know I was going coming to this Florida game, so mm. uh, you know at that point I would have assumed that that was the one. So uh, you know I kind of thought before the season that we needed to go two and one out of Oregon, Texas A&M, and Florida, and uh, and we did it. Yeah, we won. You know, they all three were theoretically on the road. Two were actually on the road. Um, and so to go two and one and away from home against top. 15 teams is a really big deal. Like Texas A&M is not top 15 now, but really only because their schedule has been brutal. Right. Um, but we all would have taken 5-1 back in August. All of us would have taken an Arkansas win away from bowl eligibility after seven games, which is crazy to think about. Um, Bo Nix has had highs and lows. You're absolutely right. Ryan, in the show notes. He's absolutely yeah, right. Bo Nix has been as good as you could possibly imagine. That last throw against Oregon, the last drive against Oregon, certain plays against Mississippi State, one of the, some of the best quarterbacking I've seen Auburn ever have. But then this Florida game. I mean, sometimes you're a freshman. Yeah, I mean, literally in the show notes I have, Bo was bad, shit happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. There's only so much you can expect out of a guy that's in his first year. He's not even like he's a redshirt freshman where he's been around the program. He's a true freshman. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's had a perfect game yeah. against Mississippi State. He's had two games where he was all right but gritted through and, and had game winners at the end. He had the touchdown to Oregon, and he had the, the game-winning uh, keep against Texas A&M. That kind of locked that one yeah. up. Um, I mean, he, he's done what – you would have ex- he's done what you would have needed him to do to have a good season. Yeah, you know he, he wasn't going to be a Heisman winner at this point. That, that's fine. Um, so he's not Trevor Lawrence, right? And that's I mean there are Auburn fans who want him to be Trevor Lawrence or who think Joey Gate was Trevor. Lawrence. And, and guess what? Trevor Lawrence has struggled so far yeah. this year too. I mean he's been great, but he hasn't been. Like all world amazing, like he wasn't yeah. in the last year. Everyone struggles. Right, right. And Trevor Lawrence had T. Higgins and Justin Ross and Hunter Renfro mm. to throw to uh, as 
Yeah, absolutely. And Derek Brown, uh, I mean, it's still, to me, the greatest signing that Gus Malzahn's ever had is still convincing Derek Brown to come back for his last year. Nothing that has happened uh, has changed that in my mind. It's only confirmed it. Yeah, he's he's going to keep pushing to be a top five pick. Um, he's going to have a shot at some awards at the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, I, I, at this point, I expect him to be an All-American. Uh, and maybe he brings home some of the Outland or Lombardi trophies. I don't know. Worst case scenario for Derek Brown is Miami Dolphin next year. Oh, don't, don't wish that on him. I know. They got the number one pick. He's either going to be a Dolphin or a Jet. You say he's got the number one pick, but... Uh, Falcons are pushing hard for it. Man, a lot. Well, and, you know, you got the Redskins-Dolphins this weekend. Uh, the loser of that game's in the, driving, uh, in the driver's seat, certainly. The Redskins fired their coach just to make it interesting. Well, yeah, they need to give their uh, their interim coach that little the potential bounce of playing the Dolphins. <laughs> All right, James, which player has been your biggest surprise in a positive way? I think uh, I think to be honest, it may be Roger McCreary. A uh, mm-hmm. little bit off book for that one, but he's not somebody we really expected much out of, and, and you know, kind of assumed he'd be behind uh, Igbenogany and Tut and Davis at that corner position. But he has taken kind of that, I guess maybe a field corner position. I don't know if we still designate field and boundary, but he's taken that position and and been targeted a lot and done very, very well. Uh, he's really just forced the defensive staff to put him on the football field because they trust him. Ryan? I'm going to go with K.J. Britt. Um, I, I know there was a lot of hype around him preseason, so it's hard to say he was a surprise, but when you haven't really been a starter before and you're getting that kind of offseason talk, a lot of times it's just chatter to talk up some of the new guys. Uh, he's performed better than I think anybody could have expected. Um, you know, we lost to Sean Davis and Darrell Williams last year, but I, I haven't really noticed any drop-off. Yeah. I mean, you, you still see a ton of plays where he's the guy you recognize, and that's that's tough in this defense because this defense is really good. I'm going to go with Salvatore Canella. Bum, <laughs> I think Sal Canella has been – I mean, maybe he's only in the game because of her injuries or because of guys transferring away to Colorado State or whatever, but he's been not bad, and that's a lot. He's, I think he's kind of locked up the number two receivers yeah. at this point. I mean, Seth. I, to be 100% honest, if you told me that coming into the season, Sal Canella would be our number two receiver, I assumed there would have been a, a terrible car accident that I didn't know about. Like... He's been really, really good. All right, which player has been your biggest disappointment? I'll, I'll go first on this. Mm-hmm. On the same note, Eli, Eli Stove and Will Hastings have kind of been my biggest disappointment. I don't know where they are. Stove was big in the first like two games. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't know where he's been since then. Will Hastings gets about one or two balls a game. I don't know if he and Bo Nix just don't practice a lot or they hate each other, their girlfriends don't like each other. I like Will Hastings. I like him a ton. I think he's a really good player, really fun player, interesting player, uh, an interesting tool that Auburn has, you know, in, in his tool chest. But I think I gotta have more out of that guy. James, who's your most disappointing player so far? 
Uh, it's going to be someone I'm still disappointed in from from last season, I think, and it's Mike Horton. Uh, a senior who has played this much, Yo. and there's multiple times a game, he just gets shoved backwards. Um, and Caleb Kemp to, a, to an extent as well, but there were there were several short, you know, third and shorts, yes, uh, on Saturday that, you know, we try to run inside zone or power or counter, and they're just being shoved back into the backfield, and that's that's wrecking everything. Um, every offense needs to be able to run the ball when everybody knows you're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And that starts up front and against the better defensive lines that we've played, you know, Oregon for a solid portion, Tulane for the first half, uh, large portions of Texas A&M, and then, of course, uh, Saturday against Florida. They did not get that push uh, in the inside, and it, it wrecked the ability to convert on third down. Right. So this is going to be an interesting one for me because I mean, I'm just looking at the stats right now, and they're not that bad, but it's Sean Travers. Um, I, and I don't know if it's necessarily his play as much as it is it, he's just not getting fit into the game plan as much or what. I mean, he's actually, I think of the running backs, he's got the highest yards for carry um, at 5.3. I mean, a lot of that was against Tulane and Kent State. Um, but I thought he was really going to be a bigger part of the rotation this year. And in the big game so far, he just, they, either they haven't gone to him or he just hasn't been that effective. Um, and again, that's not all going to be on him. Part of it is because of the fumbles, I think. Um, but all the running backs have had fumbles, so I don't really know what to make out of that. Yeah. Well, who? Uh, what's your biggest question? Who? Uh, that's a good question. What's your biggest question going into the second half of the season, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take the obvious one: is is Bo going to continue to progress? Uh, if he if he continues to get better, and doesn't let this Florida game kind of throw him off of what he's, how far he's been developed. Uh, I think we're going to be fine. Could this really have an effect on him, this Florida game? Possibly. Um, if we're if we're going to get to what everybody's considering a, a good season, then I think at that, this point it's nine and three. So it's knocking off one of LSU, Georgia, Bama, um, and then not getting you know run off the field by the other two. He's going to have to continue to be better. Um, he's going to have to hit some of those throws where he's got the, the pass rush in his face, and he can't just not see the linebackers sitting in coverage. Um, I, I think he will continue to, to progress and, and look better as the season goes on. But to me, that's what the whole season hinges on. Because I think we know what our weaknesses are at this point. We know the offensive line is not going to be a, a strength. You know, we know the the running game is is what it is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of bodies there. There's no superstars. Um, so I think Bo is still the biggest question to me. James, what's your biggest question going forward? I'll kind of build on that and and also uh, crow what your biggest disappointment was, and it's who else can step up uh, as a pass catcher? Uh, is it you know can Eli Stove start to really? make an impact is is Sal Canella going to be that, that that guy but we know we can count on Seth Williams he had a good game on Saturday and he's had several big games when he's been healthy but we need somebody else to be able to kind of take up that mantle as a second option because Seth Williams is going to be double teamed 
forward in the schedule. So who can who can step up is is going to help Bo progress, and uh, that's that'll be my biggest question. Mine is probably as the weather gets colder, is Gus going to ever bring back the sweater vest, or is he sticking with the polo shirt thing? Because this is a this has been a, a polo shirt year so far. None of these sweater vests, none of these weird amalgamations of long sleeve Under Armour mock turtlenecks and, and weird other things. I don't know if you guys watch much Baylor football, but Baylor's head coach Matt Rule. The answer's no, by the way. Yeah. I've watched the last two Baylor games. I thought you guys were college football fans. (laughs) I've watched the last two Baylor games, or parts of them. Baylor's head coach, Matt Rule, has been wearing this horrible Nike windbreaker vest hoodie over a T-shirt on the sideline that I cannot for the life of me figure out the functionality of it, (laughs) other than I'm a little overweight. I don't want to just be in a T-shirt or a polo because it might show how overweight I am. So I gotta have something baggy, but it's too hot for a shacket. So I'm wearing this sleeveless shacket over a t-shirt. The new fresh version of the Bill Check sweatshirt. It's horrible, man. It's if you I'm telling you, it is one of the weirdest, off, most awful looking things I've ever seen a coach wear. Gus, on the other hand, is going straight uh country club casual on the sideline for us. Well it's still golfing with it, man. I know. Absolutely. I'm interested to see if he brings back the sweater vest or if he goes – because sweater vest Gus won some football games. So I'm hoping – I'm kind of hoping the sweater vest comes back. I'm hoping it comes back, but he doesn't do it over a long sleeve tee like he did for a while, which is kind of weird. I want him to do it over a shirt that you wear a sweater vest over. Crow, it sounds like your question is, is it ever going to cool off enough for a sweater vest? it's never going to do it, man. (laughs) It's going to be hot forever, Ryan. I don't think it's ever going to actually get cold in Alabama. The polar ice caps... It has been the high every single... The high high temperature for every game we've played this season has been in the 90s uh, on game day. And... uh, the game in Arlington is the only one, obviously, that was not affected by that, uh, or at least that you didn't have to experience those elements. And I've been at every game since, except for Texas A&M. And it's, it, it just makes you feel miserable after the game. No matter how the game went, you just feel awful. Yeah. And you don't want to do anything else. Go ahead, everybody. Keep using your styrofoam cups. Keep driving your giant trucks. Doesn't matter. A couple of years we've been playing these games on Venus. <laughs> Who's in your playoff, Ryan? Oh, man. Uh, at this point, I don't see any way Clemson or Ohio State are going to lose. Those are death machines right now. Um, Clemson just is a death machine because they're basically playing as five-year-olds. Um, they don't play anyone, and they should have yeah. lost North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got those two in. Uh, man, I really don't want to have to pick the SEC right now, but uh, – who are we kidding? It's Alabama. Uh, whether they, they they can lose a game, it'll still be Alabama. Uh, and Oklahoma. So, fun. Chalk. Yay. Death in the end. Uh, yeah, give me a non-chalk. I'm going to say we're going to see Ohio State, Clemson, Oregon, Whew. and then an SEC team. Because I think... I think Oklahoma beats Texas in the Red River shootout, and I think Texas beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Is the only way Oregon gets in the playoff if Auburn is also in the playoff? 
Uh, no, because I think another SEC team would get presidents over Oregon if Auburn's not. If there are two one-loss Big 12 teams and three one-loss SEC teams, I think I think Oregon would be ranked the highest because their loss was the earliest in the year. I think they get so it. So Oregon is a huge Auburn fan right now. Yeah, Oregon wants Excellent. us to beat everybody. Because the rest of the Pac-12 is, whew, man, Washington losing to Stanford. Lose Stanford. That's a big and loss. UCLA lost to Oregon State. Man. Who else are you enjoying? Look at me talking college football like I watch it. Who else are you enjoying keeping an eye on this season? I haven't brought up one time the fact that the e-bike Zwift, which is Zwift, Ryan, is <laughs> like Zwift is a uh, is cycling. Yeah, kind of. It's a it's a cycling app. So basically, everyone hates riding indoor bikes because it's lame. And riding bikes outside is way more fun. But if, sometimes it's raining and you have to ride inside. Sometimes it's 100 degrees. Yeah. Day. So the guy, some guy invented an app called Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. And you hook it up to your bike trainer that you hook your bike up to. And it plugs in your TV. You can download the app on your smart TV. And you can basically play video games. And you're riding alongside people online. Long story short. It's become very popular, as you might imagine. And they held the World Championships of Zwift this past weekend. And wouldn't you know it, the guy that won busted for doping. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, cycling just keeps on being cycling. Ryan, Ryan, what? Uh, oh no, James, who's in your playoff? Uh, I, I think I'll echo what you guys said about Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, to be honest, right now, um, the team that's impressed me more than anything else is LSU. Yeah. So I think LSU can beat Alabama. They are the type of team that is designed to to beat the Alabama teams that we've seen before, and this one is not as strong defensively as, as some others have been. So is LSU barely going to be a shootout? Here's to two losses for Alabama. So I would say I would say Clemson, Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think Oklahoma may just not lose, and then uh, LSU winds up beating Alabama and Georgia. I think a, a two-loss Georgia team, uh, that'll be Georgia's second loss in the SEC championship, and, and LSU goes through. Sounds great. James, is your lovely wife available to answer another question? Uh, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll make that happen. Okay. Ryan, what are you uh, keeping an eye on for the rest of this season? Um... You know, Kurt, we always uh, have different opinions on watching smaller schools, G5 schools. I don't have a problem with watching G5 football. My problem is watching lousy P5 football. (laughs) Well, I'm with you there, but actually one of the teams that we played earlier this year, Tulane, uh, we watched a couple of their games to keep track of them, and they've been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they, They put up, I think it was like eight and a half yards per play on first down in his army last week. That's ridiculous. That's amazing. But then they also uh, they played Houston two weeks ago on that Thursday Thursday or Friday night game. Uh, watch that game. There you go. That was a fun game. It was a fun game. Yeah. The, the AAC has been a lot of fun this year. Uh, SMU. Got a shout out to Red Lashley over there. SMU's killing people yeah. right now. Well, they're, uh, your Dallas team too, right? Those uniforms that SMU has put on, the Dallas uniforms that they've won, they've kept them on, may be the best new uniforms in college football. And it's not really even close. And they may be the best uniforms I've seen in college football in years. 
Number one, they say Dallas across the front, and they have the City of Dallas <laughs> Municipal logo on the helmet. So it looks like your water bill if you live in Dallas. That's what the logo looks like, which is great. Number two, in the most Dallas thing ever, Miami has the turnover chain. Ole Miss has the turnover dog collar. SMU has turnover bottle service. And guys come over to the line with champagne bottles and pop them open because that is as Dallas as it could possibly be. There could no, be no more Dallas thing than if maybe a guy came over and offered you sound financial advice on a stock. Well, that it's not just Dallas. It's SMU, right? It is so SMU, man. Half those guys are going to either go to the NFL and the other half are going to become financial advisors. That's just the way SMU works. <laughs> James, is Lydia available? She is. I'm going to hand the headphones over to her. Lydia? Hola. Oh, yeah. Our first ever female co-host ever. Yeah. It's a pretty historic moment, guy. Eternal champ of the week. Always. <laughs> what else are you enjoying is this it, season? Is it wrestling? Is it wrestling? It is 1,000% not wrestling, Ryan. Oh. Thank you. What I have enjoyed, however, especially this particular last game, was teaching our current student body population that the hip-hop songs they listen to now have sampled some truly horrendous, and by horrendous I mean amazingly ridiculous, hip-hop songs from the 90s. Yes. Is, yeah. it, is it Trick Daddy? <laughs> it is not Trick Daddy, oh. and I don't think you get to reference Trick Daddy when you just learned who he was a month ago. That's the joke. Trick loves the kids, man. <laughs> Trick loves the kids. <laughs> Trick does love the kids. However, um, no, there was, well, first of all, we taught some 21 and 22-year-olds who Kilo Ali is, oh, which wow. Ryan I'm just going to have to tell you to go look it up on Spotify yourself. Yeah, I don't know what you just said. I think it was you a Hawaiian person. It's truly awful. Really, no one should know what it is. And the fact that I do is sort of shameful, but that's beside the point. Um, actually, there are several songs we talked on this past weekend that were pretty shameful. 21 that's fine. We're only corrupting the youth of today. No big deal. They're already corrupted if they're listening to the songs that sample those songs. So you can do anything. Wrong. <laughs> That's fair. You're informing them. You're doing a public service, if anything. If you want to go that route, I'm sure we could. Lydia, what what is something you're keeping an eye on this season on the Auburn Tigers football team? It can be an important thing or a silly thing. Well, they're all silly things, are they not? But I have truly enjoyed watching Derek Brown make most of the rest of college football at this point just look silly. Yeah. Just rolling over offensive linemen like a bowling ball. It has been a beautiful thing. Lydia, what happens first? Um, Auburn has a cold day? Or Auburn basketball plays its first regular season game? Well, I, I'm going to admit that I cheated a little here and did check the weather for this weekend. And I hate to tell you, Crow, it looks like it's going to be cold weather. What? I'm sorry. I know. Hate to tell I me. Know. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
building a fire in the new house. It's a miracle, truly. It's going to happen. I can't believe no, it. But you know what that means, though, right? What's By the time mean? we get back to tailgating in November, it's going to be back in the 90s. Yeah, it's true. I was um, about to say it's going to be freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted a snow game in Auburn. It's going to be freezing. We're all going to be huddled around a, a trash can with a fire inside of it like hobos at a tailgate. <laughs> Look, I've already said the first person to utter the words, I'm cold, at a tailgate in the season is getting punched in the face. And I'm just going to admit that person is going to be me. I hope that they, I thought you were going to say they get $5. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey man, no. you, you win, five bucks. No, as, as much as we have sweated and complained about the heat and disgust melting in what has been a glorious southern summer, um, I don't think we have earned the right yet to call anything cold no. or complain about the cold. And yet I'm going to do it anyway. Well, Lydia, it's great having you on. Ryan, do you have any last words before I kill you? I mean, before this podcast Whoa! is over. Whoa! Do you want <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first, kids. Crows into murder. Yeah. Is, is that what we're on a podcast <laughs> is going into? <laughs> this is the true, true crime, crime podcast. podcast. <laughs> Subscribe subscriptions are up through the roof. Orange and kill. Uh, all I've got to say is uh, bonus. All right. Amen.